0: Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs.
1: Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! He's going for goal! Malkowski expected the cross and Paul Hartley spotted the gap. And Paul Hartley fires Hanson to a 2 0 lead.
0: Hello and welcome to Shirts Around the Funnel, the offspring of the popular Hearts podcast Scarves Around the Funnel, but featuring better looking presenters. Here we focus on Hearts kits and seasons in which they were worn. I'm Paul Mitchell, sports commentator and someone who loves the world of football and kits. Alongside me is a man who loves football and kits even more than I do, is that famed Hearts shirts collector, Grant Young. Hello Grant, how are you?
1: I'm good Paul, thanks. Yep, all good here.
0: You've been adding to your collection in recent days?
1: Uh, not so much. No, it's quite spell. Thank
0: you. Well, your wife will be happier, I'm sure. Each Absolutely. episode features a special guest, and what a guest we have for you. He's in the top ten list of all-time appearances for Hearts as a player. He graced Tyne Castle over two separate periods, and therefore played in a wealth of kits. Here to talk about his life in maroon and various other colours, is Hearts number seven
2: himself, John Coon. John, thanks for joining us. You're Paul, um, and it's great to be here on the baby brother of Scarfs Around the Funnel and it's absolutely fitting and perfect that I'm on this one and Robbo, the real stars, on the Scarfs Around the Funnel last week. No, no, we only get a wait, 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 look, like the big guess here, the number, always the number two, always the <laughs> bridesmaid to, 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 to um, uh, paraphrase a famous Hearts fanzine of my day. That's, that's very true. I want to ask you about your number, actually. Was was your number a, a conscious decision to try and get the number seven shirt? or uh, Absolutely not. What happened was that the manager gave me it on occasion and um, I wore it. In those days, there wasn't any um, egos around the, the number. Uh, you were just happy to get one that was anything between two and 11. And if you got that, you were happy because a big portion of our salary was on appearance money and win bonuses. And if you didn't get those 2 to 11 for outfield players, you wouldn't share in that um, that lovely bit of cream on the top of our wages.
0: Shirts around the funnel and scarves around the funnel are both sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s, John, what do you make of uh, you know the, the current you know five subs from nine players being listed? I mean, th- that, that
2: certainly changed over the years. Where do you stand on that? Um, I would have hated it as um, as I would have hated rotation in team selection. Um, I understand the discussion around it, saying that oh, um, players the demands are, are heavier. Uh, I'm not sure that that's true. Statistically, somebody will be able to tell us whether it is, but their fitness and eating regimes are certainly um, better, which should allow them to be fitter. And and I'm just kind of old school that I, I believed that if I played well on the Wednesday, I would play on the Saturday. If I played well on the Saturday, I would play on the Wednesday or the next Saturday. And if I didn't play well Depending on how established I was, probably after two or three years, I still played. If I'm being honest, um, yeah. and that's how and that's that's how I liked it. Um, the rotational stuff would have annoyed me a bit, to be honest. And I know there are certain um, strikers who were about the same size as me, but maybe carried a bit more weight. They would absolutely have hated it. but mm. but he wouldn't have missed many games, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, football has changed and it has evolved in so many ways, some good, some bad. In terms of, you know, knowing that, you know, there was one or two subs to come on was different. I mean, you expected to complete
2: 90 minutes. Always, always. Um, uh, And sometimes I didn't because over a sort of 40 or 50 game season, it was difficult to, to do it week in, week out, um, especially for strikers, I think. You I mean, if I were a defender, you're five out of ten. You can get away with it as long as you do your job marking and um, covering your space and, the, and your positional play was good. You could get away with it. But for a striker, it's really difficult. For a, a wide man, it's really difficult to be creating and to be absolutely top of your form every single week for 40, 45 games. Um, and as Alec McDonald used to say, when he used to take me off, he says, yeah, that was your little brother out there today. That wasn't you. So you come and have a little rest. Um, But yeah, speaking personally, I just wanted to play every minute. Every minute of every game because I loved it so much. And not because I got paid an exorbitant amount of money, which I didn't and I never never did. But it wouldn't have mattered to me how much money I got. If I got another £10,000 a week or £1,000 a week, I couldn't have been any happier doing what I did. Um, and it was just the way it was. I was I grew up wanting to be a footballer from an early age, can't remember wanting to be anything else. Then I became a and decorator and that made me want to become a footballer even more. Um, <laughs> because that, that, that working for a living was not for me. Um and, and and to be honest, I I didn't really put my heart and soul into being a and decorator in the same way I did to, to play for Southern Albion and then playing for Celtic Arts and, and um hopefully every club that I played for. Um and I just enjoyed every minute so I never I was always disappointed when I get taken off. Um, I know that some players were relieved when they got taken off because it took the pressure off them but I was probably egotistical enough to believe that even though I was having a terrible game, in a minute or a second I could do something that would that would help my team help my teammates and, and you mean I would still be giving giving my all even even though I was having a shocker. Which you had a few, and the good thing is, when you finish and you've tried really hard for most of your games, people forget the games you had a shocker. They only remember the good games, um, which is gratifying um, and feeds my ego. This even this deep into my my fifties.
0: <laughs> you're in the I Mentioned that you're in the top ten of hearts appearances all times. One of the questions that I like to ask players, and and this is not an egotistical thing, I just think this is a realistic thing. When did you know you were a really good player? Not just a good player, but standing out from your contemporaries?
2: Honestly? Yeah. Probably about three years ago on Twitter. (laughs) I'm not laughing. laughing. That's an absolute truth in my life. Yeah. I never thought I was, absolute truth in my life. I never thought I was was that good. I Always thought I was good because I tried hard and, and I gave it everything. But I never thought I had had. I, I never believed during my career that I was a really good player or an exceptional player. I just thought I was lucky to be where I was and doing what I, what what I did. Uh, and it wasn't until like because I never watched games after I played or. It wasn't one of these for video analysis. To be fair, then, at that point, the only time we did video analysis was when we'd been beaten by somebody we shouldn't have been beaten with or we'd had an absolute nightmare and the manager would take us through all the horrible bits and now the the massage players' egos um, and, and lift them up by showing them good things to do, which is absolutely the right way to do. But in those days, that wasn't what happened. When we had a really bad result only two things happened towards the end. You would either get in the video analysis where you were getting it, and you were just saying, I just hope somebody have a bigger shocker than me. Or you'd go and do six six laps to the pitch as fast as you could, and then do six 220s, then do six 100s, six 50s. And it didn't do us any good, but telling you 100%, it made the manager feel better. <laughs> Let's talk about your career You
0: obviously were at Sterling Albion part-time I guess, I mean, you've still got to be a good player to play at that level But Celtic came calling How did that come about and
2: and obviously it opened doors for you? It was, I think it was probably due to one man, which was Alex Smith um, Alex was the, the manager of the he's a doyen of of Scottish managers in my opinion and, and a very very rarely do you find anybody in the game that hardly anybody's got a bad word to say about and, and I've never come across anybody that had a, a bad word to say about Alex Smith who's now um, enjoying his um, I think the I'm not sure it's autumn or the winter of his years in, in Australia and I still speak to him on, on occasion and, and just a lovely man and he gave me my, my opportunity um, as a 17 year old uh, playing up at Bucky, in a Scottish Cup tie, just out the out of the blue we were up there. And then and, um, I came on and I scored two goals to, to get us a victory. And um, then we went, we went to Dunfermline on the last day of January in the next round of the Cup, and we beat them 1-0 away, scored in the last minute. And that was the last goal we scored for that season. Last Saturday in January, we hold. I don't know if we still hold the world record, but we def- definitely held the world record at that point for a team not, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to do not to score. We missed penalties, had bars, balls, everything. And we we're actually quite relieved when the other team scored because of pressure with us. And so, which wasn't a great introduction for a 17 year old striker that's because I was a striker at that point. It was only when I went to Celtic I became a winner. And, um, but he, but Alec and, and George Peebles and there was a, a real group of experienced pros who, who helped us and we'd go in on a Saturday, uh, sorry, a Sunday morning after we played on a Saturday and we'd play four sides, five or sides three or sides, two or sides And that's really where I learned the game. You know, there was no um, coaching then. It was all kind of self coaching down the park and it was it was learning with these boys called Robert Duffin and, and Jimmy Burns and there some of the older players would come in and we we'd chew the Anfield up the real land field obviously with two ends at that point, still Lyle be being his home ground, would chew it up and Alex Smith wouldn't say anything to us. Bob Shankly, the general manager, and um, the the older brother of Bill Shankly who'd come and watch us and he was you know, apart from me, the grumpiest man in the world. <laughs> and he but he used to just love watching us group of young kids. And then we all we all went different places. Robert Dawson went to St. Mum. John Philippin went to Doncaster, Willie Irvin went to Hibbs, Brian Grant went to Aberdeen. And I mean, in no small part of those little games, all those little, little small sided games, um responsible for that. Um and so Alex Smith knew that I was a Celtic sport. So I, I, I'd scored a lot of goals um early on in, in, in that season. And there was a few people a few clubs came calling. But I like knew that I would like to play for Celtic. So he waited and waited. The Celtic had a scout called John Kelman, who I think um, had a, a season ticket at Stone But at that point, knowing that the board at Celtic he wouldn't have paid for the season ticket, to be honest. Um, but he must have <laughs> come about 47 times to see me. And And then eventually, I, got, I was working at a building site in Cold Snotten in, in manager. painting it was freezing. And I think it be November. October, November, and I got a call to go into Stornoway on a Friday afternoon. It's half day on a Friday at the um, on the building site, and, and I'd only had one job. These two tradesmen that looked after me, Oh and they were on, they were on um, price work. So we were a little squad, but i had only one real job, and that was to. When they worked so hard, on a Friday lunchtime they just went to the pub, and because I was playing on the Saturday, and I didn't drink anyway. I had the job of getting them home <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. That was my only job. I just the, the the firm had this little J four Commer van. It was the most difficult thing to drive. The engine like no no bonnet. The engine was underneath where it used to sit. So I had to drive home these drunken, noisy, belligerent tradesmen and drop them off at the houses. So I get a call from the 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 the, or the, the side manager came to oh, me. you've got to go to Anfield. The manager wants to see you. So I went there and um and we were top of the league and uh, Alex Smith says, Listen, we've organized for you to go to Celtic. Um, you're going on Monday. So um but we play Queen's Park away tomorrow. We really need the victory. Um we want you to play for us, do your best, help us get the result, get us further up uh, get us further away at the top, and then Monday we'll go to, to Celtic Park and sign. Great. There was zero chance of me getting injured on that Saturday. I've told this before, we played at Hamden, and the only chance of me getting injured is if the 3.15 from Mount Florida to Glasgow Central had hit me. That was how how wide I played. There was zero chance of me getting injured. I never went near anybody, and that never went near anybody or anything, and that included the football. And and one of my best friends, Robert Dawson, scored the winner, uh, and we won 1-0 which I take absolutely zero credit for, and it's the it only time um, that the boys probably won as comfortable as that with 10 men, because I was a passenger. <laughs> and then we we turned up at Celtic Park, and um, on the Monday, Alec drove me through, and he this, this lovely big yellow Jaguar with a black roof, beautiful car. And we were like, I, I don't think I drove then. And uh, like, I'm going in the gaffer's car. So in the gaffer's car, in straight in, and so the conversation literally went like this. Um, yeah, David Hay, you know, and then uh, the secretary was Jim, Jim Kennedy, Prezi. And so they, I'm there and I sit down and he said, oh, would you like to play for Celtic? Yeah, well, I would like to play for Celtics, I'm a Celtic for myself to support and blah. blah. And, and then it was as though I wasn't there because then they discussed what I was getting between them. Told me what wages were. Told me what going on for you I was getting. And then David asked me, Celtic would leaving in that day to go to play Nottingham Forest in the in that, I think, uh, the last 16 or the quarter final of the UEFA Cup, and it was a forest team with Peter Davenport and Gary Burkle did a good side. Um and David said, Would you like to come down with the team? Uda. And so that was it. We went back. So Alex just take me home to get some clothes and drive me back. So we get in the car and we get to come and, hold and I said um Boss Because we used to call um, Alec. Boss what, what, He says I just took a pay cut You know He went What do you mean I said Well The money I get to paint and decorate And play for some album Is more than I got Than I'm going to get Playing for Celtic And he says Yeah but you do want to play for Celtic huh? I said Yeah <laughs> I said that's not, that's not the point But I'm just telling you That I'm getting less <laughs> money now For playing for Celtic Than I got for For um, painting and decorating and, and playing for the album Um. We got there and we got back and, and then I was a project for them and they said that I wasn't going to play for maybe a year while I got used to Celtic. I played within six weeks and they sold me within 18 months to uh, to Hearts, which, which you know, I've said this often, broke my heart. It broke my heart to get thrown out of Celtic and, I'm, and I've never hidden what I, what I was and what I am um, and in the same way that people listen to this are Hearts supporters because that's what their families are and families where um, and and I, I maintain that the vast majority of, and especially people of, of, of my age, um, it's hereditary. It's handed down. And, and it's only you kind know, of strange, strange individual boys and girls who go against their, their, their family's team. Um, and that's how it was. And so when I was, was told to leave, there were circumstances I was told to leave. Um and I fought against it because I thought I could be a player at Celtic. And um I didn't fancy going to Hearts, Hearts were not what they are now. Um it, they were very bang average running the mill. Um they'd been relegated because I I'd gone to watch them playing against when I think when I was in second year, so seventy seven, and they came and, and the the Hearts team battered the Albion 4-2, Willie Gibson scored a hat-trick and the Hearts fans battered the town because it was a town, not a city then and created havoc on the town and um, some of the wilder people from my, my year were out on, the, on the pitch fighting with the Hearts supporters and they ran, ran, ran the riot through the town. Um, and and so, you mean going to Hearts had never been some a consideration for me. So then, when it became clear that I was either going to and go and leave Celtic or I was going to go and have a discussion at least with Hearts. Um I went through and it became quite a quite quite apparent that the Davies didn't see me as having a future with Celtic. Um so then I went through to meet Alec and in and, and, and it was a likable moment to people that um in terms of footballers i looked up to Two die-hard Rangers men. Mm, they weren't even on the list of the top ten thousand people I've looked up to. But <laughs> I went through and, um, and met them, and was kind of blown away um, with their passion, the knowledge, and and I, I've been involved. I've been an agent for a long time, and I don't care what anybody says. Being a manager, recruiting players. It's just a sales job. I don't care what anybody says. Anybody tells me about, oh, this big detailed, oh, this is what you're going to do, and this is how I'm going to play, and this and this. They've got to sell the club. You've got to sell the club. You've got to sell themselves, sell the club, and find a connection with the player that you want to sign. The connection is everything. And and I connected with, with both of them. And they were so different. And I connected with both of them and, and then I went back through to Celtic, um, made sure I established that what they were offering me to leave was still there. Um, and and the rest, as I say, is history. I went there and, and it, was, it was the making of my career. We would I have had such a good career at Celtic? I don't know. And to be honest, I don't care because I couldn't have enjoyed it any more than I enjoyed it um, Played at Ten Castle, two spells, ten years. Did I enjoy Millwall, set, some bits of it. Did I enjoy Sunderland, some bits of it. But did I enjoy Hearts, most of it. It was memorable, even the bits I ate. Um, as in, as in Dundee in '86, and the, the cup finals, Cup down with the heartbreaks. It, it's, I would rather have done it and failed than not done it. I'd rather done that and failed than been a, a run of the mill England English Division One player all my career. Um or being at a club in Scotland that that we didn't have those experiences. Those experiences are are, are everything in my mind and, and, and sometimes when you're having tough times you close your eyes and you think about the Atletico Madrid game. One of the probably my my finest memory of Tencastle in in, in all of them. Um, you think about going away to buy Munich Did I miss the chance? Yeah, I missed a chance. But I made the chance, and and those are memories. That that doesn't matter what happens in my life. Nobody can take that away from me. And and to be together with a group that that you know I'm not that close to that many of them now, but the group feeling at that point was amazing. It was amazing, and I think I, I think. If I was looking at, I think Newcastle and England are a little bit like us in that well, obviously they're much better players and much richer, but I think they've got a real togetherness and momentum. I don't think there's any exceptional exceptional players. You I mean they might? You I mean they, they would? They would argue about that, but I think they've got an amazing feeling around the city and around the uh, around the momentum that they have built. And I thought that I think that's what we are like, and that's what we were a group of refugees. Basically, a lot of us came from the from the old firm. Um, we had Brian Whitaker. We had Sandy, obviously. You um, have Marcel with Blackie. You know Sandy Clark. Um, people that looked as though the, we were on the down, but but we just had some fabulous times and great balance in the team.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's such a memorable to be... Team grant i mean i think one of the things grant when when a player leaves a club to come to hearts and and if it leaving a bigger club to come to you know to hearts you very very quickly can get the measure of that player and i think john and sandy the, the players you and i think they bought into the whole hearts thing very very quickly i know it's one of the teams you you enjoyed watching it
1: it it's it's what john says Yeah, I, I just think it's Especially from a from a from a JIC perspective, the, the connection, and I think you you've touched on it there, John. You know when you appeared on Twitter, the, the the outpouring of love was was almost amazing. And I think whatever you did, and I think I think you probably nailed it in one of the, you know what you just talked about earlier in terms of hundred percent commitment and never left anything you know on the park. And I think for me personally, that's why that's why the connection's there. I think, and it's just. You know, when you when you think about I mean, I, I could probably roll off twenty games that you played in that I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed and and I think I probably speak for all hearts fans of a certain age that just felt that way. And and even, you know, when you when you appeared on Twitter and, and sharing memories, it, it just means a lot of people like are nostalgic and like to, you know, reminisce of you know, time's gone by, if you, if you want to put it that way. But yeah, it's just, you know, when you, when you see, you know, like you look at YouTube clips of, of games, like I, I was doing a, a little bit of research, and if you look at the, the Dungeon United game, you know, in, the, in that semi-final, you know, the first thing that the commentator mentions is that Dungeon United have got eight internationals, four internationals at the back. And Hearts that day walloped them. And and one of, one of the things I did notice that was uh, every single player in the Hearts team was wearing long sleeves, and I noticed you had to... To roll your sleeves up that day, so you must have been, you know. I know you. I know you have got a great love of long sleeves as well, haven't you? They're ridiculous.
2: They're ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, long sleeves. Just, just why? Why? And the only one thing worse than long sleeves: long sleeves with gloves. Long sleeves. Why?
1: Yeah. I
2: mean, you mean, it's just ridiculous. I just, don't, I didn't get it. Never got them. But I wasn't established enough even at that time to do what I did later on, which was cut the sleeves off. Because Les Portis, who was our secretary at the time, and the man who who, who held the purse strings, um, came looking for me on the two occasions that I did that. <laughs> and you, you did actually, did you physically cut them, did you? I physically, I went to get and gets a, a pair of scissors from Alan Ray and cut them. You wouldn't be popular. Alan your... Ray was... Alan Ray was the
0: physio at the time. Yeah, somebody said. Um, I'm just looking through Twitter because you know various people gave us some some wonderful comments, including this one, which I think would, will echo amongst many. Off your seat, stretching your neck to see him creating havoc down
2: the wing. That was John Cahoon, and but it, and, and that's what I enjoyed. Eh? I enjoyed it, and, and, and I don't care what what anybody says. Um, it was my experience, Paul, in that. When people someplace say, I cut the noise out, I don't hear the fans. Let me tell you, when they were calling me things, I heard them. Mm. And I also heard them when I got the ball, I was on fire, I was going at a fullback, I could hear the crackle, I fed off it. That's a fact. That was a, that. was my reality. In the same way, when I was having a shocker and there was only six or 7,000 there, you heard every time somebody slaughtered you or... Or called you a name Or what have you I heard all of it I don't, I don't even like I don't even kid on That I didn't hear it But The days when you were on It's just the most Amazing feeling You know 14, 15, 12, 13 Or sometimes In the cup games When Les sold about 5,000 extra tickets um, <laughs> 32,000 And a 26,000 um, Capacity stadium um, Obviously that never Really happened Except that it did, and um, you feel that, and you hear that, and the the explosion when you score or your teammate scores is just it, it's just you just can't replicate that. It's not possible.
0: Somebody, somebody once told me, a fairly decent player at that. When you score, you're almost lost for a moment or two. It's just that you're on a different plane. Is that right? Is that what
2: you experienced? No, I never felt that. I always felt like, I've, but I've heard people saying that that they, the before the noise or before they realised the ball hit. But I was never like that. I was, I was always conscious, always conscious of of what was happening. And, and uh, I wish sometimes when I've had the chances that I missed, I'd also had that moment where you just forgot everything, and everything froze. But sadly, I was conscious for everything. Um, no, I'm, I'm not as bad as, or as good as Robo who can tell you exactly where the sun was placed in the sky. <laughs> and uh, there's a story that he tells you where the sun was, and then it hit somebody's back, and he knew it was going to hit the back because of the light where the sun was. And then it came down, it bounced twice. The adapter was towards him because it was the adapter the ball was in, um, or the M and the miter was 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 facing him, and he knew if he put his laces through exactly at the, at that point in the ball. It would spin this much. I was never like that. It was more instinctive than it. I did it, I hit it, It went in, it didn't go in. But the the feeling, the feeling when you score the goal in the derby, score a goal in a big game in a cup semi-final, in the Atlético-Madrid, like um, never can you replicate that. And that's why players, when they finish... Go off the rails. Yeah. They chase it. They chase that, and and that's as, as an agent, um, that's the thing you had to be careful of, because um, actually, drinking drugs are okay when players are playing, because they get tested so much now that you're always going to catch that. Gambling's the, the problem, mm. and then when they finish, they're chasing that. They're chasing that adrenaline that you only get when you walk out the tunnel and, and everybody roars and, and then you're playing well and, and everybody's with you and then, then it's quiet. Then the lights go out, floodlights go out and you're left with trying to chase it. Where do you go to get it? And it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a difficult feeling to recreate in your life. After that, after you finish, and, and everybody deals with it a different way, and um, and it's you I mean I, I don't know any player that's found it easy. And, and I think
0: the other thing is that it's not something that money insulates you from either. You know, money money doesn't make you happy. It helps, they tell me, but it doesn't make you happy. And nothing. I, I don't think I've ever discovered any of that. i mean across the various professional sports that i'm interested in john your playing days are unique even as a manager you cannot replicate that or as a coach there's nothing you can do so it's interesting I mean, we'll jump back to your career in a second but you've opened this up as an agent you know you've
2: got to prepare players for for the end as well as as anything else so no, you know. no question and and you mean because nothing you mean the money doesn't help the money helps to insulate you from certain things but then the more money players have got the more they're concerned about not having enough because right. they're used to a certain standard mm-hmm. limit and so then they worry about because if, if you're only on I mean, 800 quid a week which was which was my top wage at house, if you're only 800 quid a week and then you go out and get a normal job and then you've got but well, you're living 800 quid a week and you go out and you get a job at that time you get yourself five or six or seven hundred quid You mean, working, doing a decent job, you get yourself, so the gap wouldn't be that much. Now, if you're getting six, seven, eight grand a week, and you come out of that, because everybody says, oh yeah, that's enough to live the rest of your life. It's not. It's absolutely not. And, And so then you come out, and you're looking at a job at maybe seven, eight, nine, a thousand a week. The drop is so big, and you've lifted six, seven, eight thousand a week. So it's, it's a difficult transition, but the money never gives you the adrenaline hit that playing does. It's not the it's not that side you miss ball. it's the adrenaline <coughs> hit that you get. So dopamine. Mm. You know, yeah. it's like it, you mean know, it's, it's like going for the cold water plunges. You know I mean that's the kind of dopamine hit that you get when you come out. It's the that's that's what you can't replicate. How do you find that? How do you find that? Where can you find that? Do you go and become an entrepreneur and try and get deals? Yeah, and that'll give you a little bit. I mean, do you play golf and then the competition in that gives you a bit briefly? Yeah, but where do you get that adrenaline rush? Do you get it in the bookies? Maybe you do. Do you get it in the bottle? Maybe you do. Do you get it in drugs? Maybe you do. But none of them are a lifestyle that you want to continue for years and years after you finish playing so it's difficult, it's difficult. That's why yeah, I you think- know, being a football is great, being a football is easy. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. At any level, you said about Sutherland Albin, you've got to be a good you gotta be a good player to play Sun Yeah, you've got a good player to I mean you look at the players that play playing with Bonnie and the you look at players that are playing with Sun Lwin now, Tom Barton, um, but he can't play really harsh in the, the division above it. Those players are all playing at a level, It's not easy to do that. And people say, oh, it's that's, that's probably, no it's not. I'll tell you one thing, everybody that looks at that and says, oh, I could go and play there, I'm going to tell you, none of them could go and play there, because it's hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, and we'll get Grant's stocks in a moment, my own sort of footballing journey was, I I'm, I, spent a little bit of time with Time Castle Boys Club, and I walked in the first week, and there was Brian Welsh and Scott Crabb, I thought I was a good player. So the first time I walked in, the first training session that I ever had with Time Castle Boys Club, I thought, I better find something else to do because I'm not turning pro. The, you can tell that the gap was, was, was unbelievable. And, you know, watching players close up, even, you know, even when you go to the Scottish Cup and the lower leagues, these guys are still really good football players. I, I'm with you, John. The likes of you know, me who thought he was a good player. The second you realise, you, you had no chance. You had to have that something special. I mean, Grant. I mean, it was the, the same. I was going to say when you watched me play rugby, you realised how good I was, Grant. But I, I don't think we'll take you there today. Don't worry. But, <laughs> but you know, it's the same thing when you, when you started to realise that other players were just so much better, you realised what a, what a true skill it was.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah, I, yeah. I mean. I, it's yeah. I, I was never good at football, so so I can't really comment. I was I just enjoyed watching it. So uh, I, I was always sort of just uh, above average at most sports. So, um, but but I, like everyone, you know, a couple of kids who were brilliant. And to your point, John, you know the, these guys maybe got to a Hibbs, uh had a couple of trials and then they made it, and they were probably the best guys in your in your school, you know. So it's all about levels. And 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 I know you love golf, and you think you look at a one handicapper, and you think this guy can hit the ball. And then you know you go up another notch, and then up another notch, and up another notch, and you're thinking, you know, this is just the, the, the you know the skill levels just get absolutely insane. So you know it's it's, it's like any sport, isn't it? It's just there, there's and, and it's not. And then you'll know this better than me. Then it becomes down single-mindedness of the person as well, doesn't it? I mean,
2: it, it, absolutely. When I you know that when I did calls for Scotland Sunday, I, I wrote one about barroom pellies. Yeah, in, in, in Stirling, we had like four or five players that were really good players as kids. And we used to meet and, 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 and I know that the Edinburgh boys used to meet and the Edinburgh St. players and the the um, kinda of all the local sort of Edinburgh players used to meet for a beer at the centurion in Christopher and that's where they all used to get dropped off <laughs> and have a chat about all of various games. Well in Stirling we used to do that in a place called the Arches and, and none of us were drinkers. But we go there before we all went home and so we, you go there we know now it was to decompress and talk about the game and get it out. And invariably somebody would come in at some point and say oh, and we'd be sitting there, we'd play we'd still long, we'd be away playing it for And and you got to get a drink at the boy at the bar and you go, so and so was a better player than you. Who was? Oh, Les Nelson, who was a really good player, David Scott. I mean, there's, there's four or five of them. And, well, it wasn't really, huh? Eh? What do you mean? Yeah, it was. Much, much better than you. Well, we we'll see this afternoon. Ah, but the drinking and the women got to him. That's what to tell you. And, well, that's not it, though. Because one of the first, the first rules of being good at anything is just turn up, eh? mm. Just turn up. And do your best every single day. And we turned up for training twice a week. Turned up again. Played on a Saturday. Played on a Sunday. Looked after ourselves. Didn't get out on a Thursday night and a Friday night. Stayed in, sacrificed that, and we turned up. And these guys couldn't do that. And that's but you're absolutely right, man. That's part of the discipline. And especially back then because it was, it was definitely it's difficult to yeah. do it now. Um, but but sometimes people still don't turn up. Don't turn up. Don't turn up mentally every day to train eh? to do what the manager wants you to. Do. And it's it's it, it's part of it's part of the skill of being be a top athlete is doing
1: the work. It's it's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because there's a bit of a juxtaposition there, isn't it? So so you're thinking about you know you had a pretty spectacular career as a football player, you know, cup finals, etc., etc. I wonder. And, and and you've got that you know you've got those those great memories to look back on. And I wonder, you know, somebody who is very very talented, and maybe you know, plays for Stirling Albion and then, you know, or, or a lower league team, but but just never applied herself. I often wonder if they they must have regrets, mustn't they, at some point as well, when they know they've got the talent, but they've they've not, you know, the, in, in terms of determination and whatever that whatever that is that you've got in your in your head, whatever drives you to do that and, and then be disciplined. I wonder if they then sit back and regret it, have regrets. You shouldn't really, I know, but you, you often wonder if there's a, a juxtaposition there, there somewhere.
2: I think there's many levels to that, Grant, and, and you'd have to get any psychoanalysis. Oh right? no, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be interesting to do that with a, with, a, with a sports psychologist. But I think for some of them, it, it was the realisation, like, like Paul turning up and seeing Crabble. The Crabble, natural ability, amazing. Eh? So at that point, Paul decided, "Oof, I know I'm not going to be a footballer, but he was level-headed enough to know, well, I'll go and find something else to do. But if you think you're going to be the man, and then you keep coming up at training at Rangers or Hearts or Celtic, and you realise, by the way, I'm not all that. eh?" So then what do you do? Then you go down the road of not applying yourself, because that gives you an excuse. eh? That gives you an excuse why you didn't make it. When... The reason didn't make it is maybe you went not good enough anyway, mm-hmm. but absolutely, there will be players because we have that in agency that there's a point at even for some players that get to a really good level, but the penny doesn't drop with them. That if they just apply themselves a bit more, they listen to the manager a bit more, if they just stop eating the crap that they eat because they're a 22, 23 year olds and they like. They like golden wonder crisps, and they like a Kit Kat, and nowadays you can't really do that. Um I don't think many players have an issue with alcohol then, which was the issue back then. Mm. Um, but the nutrition, the the the, the application to the um, the physical side of the game. You I mean you look? There's a reason why Craig Gordon is playing at the age he's playing at, at the level he's playing at. And the reason is because I saw something on Twitter about him lifting weights a ridiculously short time after he's had that injury. Now, that's not because he wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'd really like to be look like Adonis this week. He gets up and he says, this is my job at work. This is how I'm going to apply myself and get myself back. Now, whether he gets back to the level at this age, it's a huge ask. No matter how much work he puts in, mm. so he does. But the fact that 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 what he's doing now is testament and and is, is is responsible for why he is where he is. Because he's still putting the work in. But some players, the penny just doesn't drop in there. But also and I've had this argument with many people, I know I'm talking a bit too much. I've had this argument with many people, is that for some players they're just happy at the level they're at. They don't want to strive. And we've all got people in our lives that are like that. And you look and you think, see if he just pushed himself in business, he could have a great business, but he's got a nice business. But the reason he's got a nice business is because he likes to go home at night and he likes to go play 18 holes of golf on a Thursday, every Thursday, and earn this and have enough to take the family out and go their holidays. And he knows that if he pushes himself or herself, if they push themselves, they're going to have less time to do the things that they really love. Mm -hmm. And so, who am I to say that a player should absolutely kill himself physically, mentally, put too much stress on his family by sharing all the problems with them, and make them take some of that burden. When what they've got is more than any of us could ever hope for anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's, there's, there's an argument that to be content, to give your all and be content, is enough. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk.
0: You achieved a lot. I mean, you downplayed a little bit at the start. You were capped for your country. You played in cup finals, big European games. And as a result, and for for inviting you on this program, you wore a great variety of shirts. Now, to me, I think you wore some of the classic Hearts, Hearts jerseys. Were you just one of these guys that this is this season's kit, there it is. Did you ever have a reaction and think, I've got to wear this? You know what, what? What was your take each each year or each second year as the new kits came out? Nothing.
2: you you, you make on That like I didn't like the canvas strike one. Eh? Didn't like it. But it was like not keen on that. Or when the white one came out. Remember the white one, Grant? The white one. Yeah, yeah. Without that classic. I give. Yeah. I gave it To be fair, I sent. I had one of them and I sent it to you, Murray, of the Guardian. And the only reason I sent it to him because it makes me laugh. Every time that you and Murray of the Guardian and the you and Murray of the Sky, somebody else falls into that trap, and he offers to meet them under the clock central station That's right. and bring his mate, bring your mates, and I'll be the one with the Red Rose. So anyone that entertains me that much on a social media platform deserves some kind of reward. So I sent him, I, I sent him over that white one. Um, it was a little bit stained, to be honest, um, from being being a market for so long. Um, but but when that came out, it's like wow, wow. But I did, yeah. li- I did like it, and as an agent, you get to understand more why, um, why they can't have clean strips because the sponsors pay for the players' wages, which which we ask for, um, the wages, and but the clean strips are really. Really sweet, huh? it, It's quite it, refreshing to see that,
1: that Hearts have done that, haven't they? Especially with the third kit with where, where no sponsor. Uh, yeah, it, it does look great, doesn't it? And we put a, put a great picture of you on Twitter yesterday or so where, where I think it was before the European Cup run. Hearts didn't have a sponsor. And then I think it went to NovaPhone, didn't it? But that that looked that looked class as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It looks it looks brilliant. But as you say, commercial demand say you can't do that really.
2: Absolutely. And and, and the reason why we couldn't get one was because we were minging. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly harsh. <laughs> we were minging, and, and we only got one because a friend of a friend knew somebody at um, the NovaPhone or Vodafone or whatever it was. Uh, um, yeah. And then we ended up with. It's interesting how things 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 work out. Um, we ended up with Strongbow, which, and I've ended up living in North Berwick, and the chief exec, the commercial guy that did that deal, now lives here, All right. and uh, we we um, bumped into each other a couple of times and um, had a good chats about about the activation around it. And all of that, that kind of um, chat, and it was really interesting to listen to Steve talking about that and about how it all came about. And um, but that was that was kind of different times. Then where we all knew who did that deal. We all knew who did the the, the shirt sponsors because they were with us all the time. They come on all European trips. They were in and around the the, the um, uh, the lounges that we went into after the game. But we mm-hmm. didn't go on boat or we went because oh we'll go and see who's And we go in and we would know everybody and um and so that's how we knew uh, how I knew Steve. And when I saw him shouting them over, the, the the first time I saw him when I was in North Berwick, not long after I lived here, Pilmar I was with Pilmer Smith the uh, uh, my, my great pal who we I miss every day. Um we were sitting outside my um, a local hostel they called Zito's uh, a um, lovely Italian restaurant in North Berwick we are just sitting outside chatting, Um and Tom will be having, a, having his glass of wine and I would be having a, my my um, coffee and, and we saw him passing that and shouting him over and we had a good wag about the old times but he was the he was the one that did the strong bow and he told why about why they didn't sort of marry it up and then they got offered one of the Glasgow big two but he didn't think it was right and it was really interesting and mm. yeah, that, I saw him not long ago here again, and it's amazing how, how a bit of um, commonality. You can speak to somebody for half an hour, 40, 45 minutes that you've never seen for, I've probably never seen him for, I don't know, since 92, something like that. Amazing. Yeah.
0: I mean, Grant, you know better than me, but Strongbow went across Admiral, a Pony, Olympic, Herrera. Um, it, it, it was quite it, a uh, wide range. Yeah, of kits.
1: it was a, it was a, it, a absolutely a wide range of kits. And I think, I think that the beauty like, that John's career is that I think he's wore all, all, all the classics from Bukta, as you've just said. You know, Bukta. Uh, you know, uh, A6 Pony. There's some absolute belters in there. Uh, and you even had to, you had to even suffer wearing the, that that yellow one in uh, Belgrade. John, the the, the classic Pony horrible yellow kit that we, we've mentioned a few times on this podcast and I think you wore number three that night as well I think and, uh, I, I wore number three because our...
2: we I bamboozle them <laughs> is that right <laughs> we I to bamboozle them <laughs> and, uh, but to, to be fair I, I played up front myself that night and I, even though I do say so myself I played for about I, I must have got taken off about 70 minutes because I couldn't run anymore and I I, I I know I had a good game that day but interestingly we came back so I think we drew over in nil nil. We mm. came back and th- we drew one all. Um, and I don't know if I told that. Um, I will tell you a story for this. So <clears throat> we played them, and I got I've got a, um, a Belgrade strip. In fact, I think it might have it may have disintegrated. <laughs> and so I'm in my house, not long, about two or three weeks after we got put out in away goals, and I got a phone call. In the house, and it was the days when, like, young people listening to this won't know what we're talking about. It was the house phone because that's all we had. <laughs> so it was the phone. It was like the one, and um, again, I'm, I'm referencing a lot of things that people certainly you not know. It's like a phone that Roseanne had, where it has a long cord on the on the kitchen wall. So I answer it, and I'm like, "Hello," and I was doing some kind of DIY, which I'm awful at. And so, he went, yeah, hello, um, I'm, I'm looking to speak to John. I said, yeah, speaking. Who's this? Um, it's Bobby Robson. So I went, sorry? He went, it's Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson of Barcelona. Right? And I'm like, yeah, all right. Who is that? <laughs> I got your number of Jeff King, a journalist friend of mine at the time. He said, Do you lives in Spain, and I knew Jeff lived in Spain, and and I've i done a few things for Jeff. I've done some Go stuff. Uh, Go a, a magazine called Go. i would written a couple of pieces him. So I went, yeah. I said, okay, um, uh, Bobby. I said, how can I help you? Well, we due to play um, Red Star Belgrade and in in, um, in in a few hours. I was just wondering. Um, Jeff says you're quite knowledgeable, and and, uh, and he mentioned the word. He did say the word erudite. He said, "So I just wonder if there's anything you think that we could, we could pick up that our scouts and that haven't done. This is Barcelona, man." So I'm like, "I've got to do something. I really got to say something." So I told them one or two things, and um, and we had a chat for about 10, ten, fifteen minutes, and um, I put the phone down. So that was fine. So then, pick the phone back up. Phone Jeff. Jeff, yeah, you get my number, to anybody. Yeah, I gave it to Bobby Robson. He was asking <laughs> about if you're, if you, um, uh, if, you if, I'm, if I'm you in the because so, we played them in the last round and then they got them in the next round and they beat them, I think they beat them 3-0, c see one at home. But then the winger that they had went to Real Madrid, a player called, you know my bit of mummy yeah. or something like that, something like that. But yeah, so Bobby Robson phoned me asking me my opinion of of, um, of, of, Red Style Belgrade. Who were beasts, by the way? Mm. Beasts. They were, they were big laddies, as my granny would say. Big, strong laddies. Um, but we were a better side than them. We should have beat them. I think Big Slim scored in the, in the whole
0: uh, leg. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. You he yeah. did. Vinko Mineric uh, got the equaliser after 49. Big Dave yeah. scored right on the stroke at half time. And and what a team. I mean, I, I've got to read this out. She was saying, goal. You've got McPherson, Ritchie, Weir, pointing and Bruno, Cameron, Folk Mackay, McCann, Colquhoun. You You would pay money to see that, Grant, and
1: I, I know you did <laughs> Absolutely, frequently. Yeah. yeah, it's a decent team, isn't it? Yeah. Hey,
2: and two and, and, and 11s to that team now live in North Berwick. There you go. Ah, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> John, two um, things. One, one, we're going to have to
0: get you back on at some point. I said we'd talk for about forty-five minutes. I know we're over that already, so we'll we'll get
2: you back at some point. Talk too much? I no, not I at all. I don't, I, don't, I don't buy. I don't buy into that. Where everybody says, "Oh, the greatest skill in life is listening." Yeah, it might be, but I just can't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> John, I've
0: got a confession to make before before we leave. Now, you obviously scored in the cup final in 96, which was the last to be played at the old Hamden with a press box that threatened to fall on the pitch. That was the first time that I'd been asked to be pitch side for Radio Scotland. I was one of two pitch side reporters. Now, there's no secret that I follow Hearts. Now, it didn't go away that obviously Hearts hoped it would do, um, and I had to come down to the pitch pitchside um, to do some interviews at the end. You scored when I was in the loo. And it remains to this day one of the most frustrating things that I've ever encountered. I needed to nip to the loo before I came down. I heard this roar. And I'm like, John go and score. I'm in the loo. I <laughs> just don't believe it. So I need to confess what, that to you, John. What cop what, reporter? What, how old were you? I would
2: have been about 24. At 24 needs a pee during the game. You know, if was- you're, 64, <laughs> if you're sixty-four. If you're sixty-four, it was Archie McPherson or fairer, I get it. Eh? Old Ben's badders. I know that from personal experience, then. But at twenty-four, you're not forgiven. You're not. I, forgiven. I wish- there's, there's not enough players in the world that you can say they get forgiven for that. I mean, not enough Marys, misters, fathers, anything you believe in to to, to to do that. But that 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 cup final was poignant for me, me Paul, because. My dad was had cancer, and he was he was supposed to come to the game, and a couple of days before he didn't. He wasn't well enough to come. And I was had a really bad back injury, I had a spasm in my back. But i dad's been playing quite well, so I I played and I scored. I, I'm not sure. I said, not long after, because that made a three one. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, I'm. am just double checking. Um, yeah. No, you were in the toilet. You wouldn't know. You didn't I, know. I wouldn't have known, John. I'm. Go, I'm yeah. going to try and find out though. Um, and then not long after, I had a head of it. Like, can either just went past or, or went over the bar or hit the bar? I just did something, and and you think back on think, think, But they were a good side there. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They were a good side. Did you? Did Gordon Jewis score three that day? Yep, scored a hat trick. Yeah.
0: Which is the, the second part, of my story. You scored in seventy nine minutes to make it three one. Gordon Jury scored uh, about a minute and a half later. Um, he completed his hat trick with five minutes to go. I got the first interview. I beat Telly to the interview. I got Gordon Jury. Um, you know, to the guy scored a hat trick. I was, was gutted. The fact that you asked for and you ended up being missed a goal. Well, yeah. I'll, I, that's something I've got to live with, John. That is something I've got to live with. So, and, 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 <laughs>
2: and you've not, and you've not been forgiven by the great man. <laughs> no, right, I so. know, I know. I I'll, need I'll so to resort a, to bribery. A couple, of, a couple of years later, I met. There was a group of guys in the in the airport, and I might get this horribly wrong. So, if if somebody's listening, I do get this horribly wrong. <laughs> Please forgive me. I'll 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 I'll, I'll forgive you your confession if I get this wrong. So, this guy comes up to me, we're going, I, was, I can't remember where I was going, but this guy comes up to me and says, let John, says, can I let you know that you spoiled one of our parties' um, greatest claims to fame? And I went, well, I'm sorry about that, but I need to know more about the, the incident. He went, one of our party we go golf with every year was the last player to score a goal in a cup final for hearts before you scored... Against Rangers, Graham Shaw. Oh, yes.
1: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Was that? Would that be right?
1: Yep. Seventy-six. Seventy-six. 76 yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I think I was, that's
2: right. Yeah. I was supposed to get a thing. Yeah, No, I think that's right. he had drinks bought from him? he the last player. And he says, and now you spoiled it. <laughs> you wasted it. I says, oh, well, I'm sorry. I said, if it's any, if it's any um, consolation, it didn't really do us any good because we still got pumped. Um, But after that game, Paul, I um, filed an 800-word piece 25 minutes after that game for Scotland Sunday. Wow. With my kit on. And Jim Jeffries never really forgave me after that. I think he didn't think I was taking football seriously enough. Um, and I've never, I've never seen it or read it. And I keep telling Spears to find it for me. And he always says he will. And then I keep doing him favours. And he's never has, because that's what it's like with Spears here. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all one it with, with, the, with the Baptist. I, I'm not rising
0: to that beat, that's for
2: sure. <laughs> all the same. All the same.
0: Uh, when when they're not in the toilet, they're in the bar. That's what it is. Shirts Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Grant, any, any other memories for we we let John go? Uh,
1: I, I think the most splendid game that I enjoyed the most where, where, where John, John playing, and you might remember it, John, is the, is the 4-0 win against Motherwell in the Scottish Cup when, when it was the three wee guys up front, you, Crabble and Robbo. And I think, I remember that day, it, it, I think it poured with rain. I think the pitch was just a, a mud bath. But for me, that, that, that game just epitomised just brilliant football uh, and,
2: and that, yeah, so thanks for that game, that was just one of it my favourites ever. That was, it was a game
1: because
2: it absolutely suited us, eh? Yeah. You know I mean, mean they the big defenders and the big John Phil my best mate and yeah. uh, big pass mate I played for them, I, I can't remember, Ali Maxwell was in goals for them yeah. and, um, yeah, it just suited us, eh?
1: Yeah.
2: Low centre of gravity going at people one way or another, always going back on my right, obviously. Um, yeah. Well let me let me tell you because this is your your wheelhouse. My favourite strip that I've got right? yep. I don't have many left to so give most of them away is my Klaus Agenthaler Unblemished by a Munich strip. And and I think he strolled through the game that much, I don't think I've even worse than... <laughs> Honestly, and I, I'm not sure I need to check. I'm not sure there's even a sponsor on the front of it I'm not sure there is I think be, you're right Or it might be Commodore I'm not, I'm not sure I need, I need to go up in Matic And try and find it again Yeah
1: I, If I think about Back to the to the home leg like, They wore the white shirt Didn't they and, and I don't think That had a sponsor on it
2: Is that right But it, I well, think it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful Classic Adidas But it's like Oh yeah Our, 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 our jerseys were A lot of our jerseys I've said this about a of one Honestly, the Sunderland jersey that I had that when I first broke into the team, it was pure nylon.
1: Yeah, pure
2: nylon. You mean you couldn't go near the fire with it, right? If you if you ran past a balloon, it would have stuck to you. Dust like <laughs> and stuff. But the but and the, and the most of our, our jerseys were kind of shiny and um, and nice and you I mean they were okay, but they weren't. Yeah. Well. Whereas buying Munich's was like like it's like pure cotton. Like just like, but it would have been the breathability would have been amazing on it for them because it was. You know, I mean Bossman does technique and all? You know, I mean yeah, they yeah. Were just amazing um, quality and just a classic red and white strip yeah. that just looked like they just looked like footballers when they had it on. Yeah,
1: classic Adidas with a trefoil. I would think on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they didn't yeah. look.
2: They didn't look like P.C.V. Scotsmen.
1: <laughs> 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 well, the, the P.C.V. Scotsman gave them a fright, didn't they? For sure. So that, that, that was the
2: main thing, yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should have given them more than a fright. but anyway. Get oh, hey, them guys have kept you too long. Yes. I've spoken, I've spoken too much. We're over no, like no, you haven't. Over the time you no, not at us. all, no.
0: John, it's been absolutely fascinating. If you do find that Bayern Munich shirt in your in your attic, do post a picture. We'd ah, love get to a see it. Up, that. Yeah. That,
2: that would be and fantastic, listen, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a good word in for you, Robo, so you can get
0: the real man on at once. No, it's it's been absolutely <laughs> brilliant, John. Absolutely absolute pleasure, brilliant. yeah. yeah. That, that is the full time whistle. Orange shirts around the funnel. My thanks to John Coon. Great thanks to John for coming on. My thanks to Grant, and we'll be back next time with another new episode. But remember, as is often said, round time castle way, blood doesn't show on a ruined jersey. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Can you th-